Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. Praise be to God. I'm so thankful that we get another week to honor the Lord and come together and hear the Word of God today. I'm so thankful that God has put all the interesting thoughts in my mind this week and we get to to know God's heart a little bit more this week because that's my goal in life. My goal in life is to study His Word and to get to know Him more so that I can get to please Him more. So if If you guys are ready to start our little study, let's uh, open our sermon today with a little word of prayer before my thoughts from last week and before our our chapter and verses that we're in. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, let's ask God to bless the service and get us prepared to, to hear His word today. Lord, thank you so much, Lord God, for this word today. Thank you so much, Lord God, that you have brought us all here today. Lord God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much, Lord God, that you had given... Your wisdom freely, Lord. Your word says that, that if we ask freely, Lord, for wisdom, Lord, you would give it, Lord. And, and I have this week, and as I have lots of other weeks and many other weeks, if not all of them, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the wisdom you've given me, Lord. I, I pray that what you've taught me this week would be able to enlighten and, and bless those that are listening to me, Lord. I pray that you'd help them to, to learn your word as, you know, as, I, as you've helped me to learn your word, Lord. I I just pray you would speak today, your Holy Spirit, Lord. Teach us each something maybe that we didn't know today, Lord, or help us to see a different perspective on it, Lord, and help me to teach and help my congregation to listen, Lord God. Help us to all have open ears to what your Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Lord, we pray you would be glorified in this service. We pray you would be glorified in this message. We pray you would be glorified in our actions and our lives every day. Thank you so much for you know, gathering us together here, Lord, and thank you so much that we get a chance to hear your word today. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you guys want to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 21, we're going to be in verses 12 through 17 this week, and I'm going to read them, but first, after my thoughts from last week. So my last week's message title. Hosanna to the son of David. Well, you know, with the Christmas season coming up, I believe that the Lord wants to remind us of something that has to pertain to last week's message. Hosanna to the son of David. What is this reminder? What is God trying to remind us of? We've had this discussion in my family. I've had this discussion on the streets. I've had this this same discussion with people. But I just feel it's necessary to, to get it out there, you know, what God has shown me to everybody else. You see, during the Christmas season, people tend to focus a lot. And it's okay during the Christmas season, a lot on Jesus' birth into the world of humanity. And you know what? Praise be to God, that is awesome. I mean, thanks be to God that he sent his son into this world and that he was born of a virgin, that he fulfilled those prophecies and that he showed himself to be the one true one, the way to heaven. So, I mean, I'm thankful for that. Well, very commonly during this season, people have a tendency to think of Jesus Christ as, you know, a little baby in a manger and, you know, sweet and innocent and, you know, all this, you know, all this little cootsie-pootsie kind of baby stuff. And that's cool because, you know what, that's how he came. I mean, imagine God, the God of all the universe, came and wrapped himself in, 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 in human flesh, and not just as a king or as a great man, but as an, an infant, a baby, 
just this little adorable, precious little child. And that's awesome. You know, along with that ideal of him being this little baby and, you know, how he showed his love throughout the world, uh, these sayings have become popular uh, of Jesus. You know, he's my homie, you know, for those in the those in the city, you know, he's my best friend, you know, he's my pal, he's my BFF, right? And Jesus does say, John 15, 15, to his disciples, to any that are disciples, I call you friends. And, you know, praise God, he calls us friends. But with all that being said, there's something here in this friend ideal that we have to be careful of. Yes, and absolutely, Jesus Christ is, if you're his, your best friend, your your pal, your best friend forever, what other holy name that you can come up with to think, uh, you know, to say, describing a friend. But with what I spoke on last week, Hosanna to the son of David, we need to remember that he's not just our friend, but he is also Lord and Master of all. So if he's your Lord and your Master, if you're his, he's your Lord and your Master. He's not just your friend. You see, If we forget that he's our Lord and Master, and he's Lord and Master of all, and just think of him as a friend, we can forget that we need to fear him. We can forget that we need to worship him and give him the honor that he's due. You see, the very term Hosanna to the Son of David, remember, is a term of praise. It's a term of adoration. It's a term of respect, the the highest respect that you could give. You would never give praise and that that kind of praise and that kind of adoration to just a friend. You aren't going to give your life in service to just a friend. You aren't going to give up the control of your life to just a friend. Friends you pal around with. You become buddies with. Well, Jesus Christ came as God in the flesh and he is worthy of us giving our lives to. And, and for us to serve, and for us to worship, and for us to praise, and not just be his friend. Friends, we have to respect, but we don't have to respect friends like we do the king of the universe. And we need to never forget that, and worship him, and obey him, and continue to surrender our lives to him, as the supreme, eternal God that he is, and think of him as a friend. So, Lord first, God first, supreme Lord of all first, then friend. Just make sure that as you're worshiping him this Christmas holiday and over the New Year's and so on and so forth, you don't forget that. Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we lose that, then we lose our wisdom. So... Praise be to God, but thanks be to God we're coming up to Christmas, and I'm so excited. It's my my most favorite time of the year. I get to say Merry Christmas at my job and so on and so forth, and we're going to have a little Christmas Eve service here or Christmas Day service. I don't know yet. The Lord hasn't spoken to me yet on it, but we're going to have a little something like that here at the church, and we always have a birthday cake for Jesus, so I'm just so excited that it's coming up and we get to celebrate the Savior's birth. So praise God. Anyway, uh, well, let's move forward into this week's message. Our title for this week's message, Jesus Proclaims Himself Messiah. Or you could say even Jesus Proclaims Himself 
the Savior. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 21, 12 through 17. If you guys want to follow along or you can just listen along, whatever you'd like to do. 21 verse 12, the Bible says. Verse 12, and then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, and look, they were doing again, they were indignant. And he said to them, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. So we leave our last section of scripture with a scene, remember, of Jesus Christ being hailed as the Messiah by the multitudes. And the people in the city were even hailing him, you know, as Messiah. The whole the multitudes around him. And remember, the Bible tells us in verse 11 that those the majority of those people you know, I'm, you know, we had his 12 there, and I'm sure they exactly knew what they were doing. But the majority of those multitudes, by verse 11, didn't even really know what they were saying. They were just praising Jesus as the Christ, as Messiah, as the Son of David, but they really were, like, ignorant of it. They, they were just saying it, and they had no idea what they were even saying. Remember, Jesus comes in riding into Jerusalem on a colt to fulfill Zechariah 9.9's prophecy of the Messiah. And remember, we talked last week, okay, by doing so, he powerfully proclaims himself by that action to be the foretold Jewish Messiah or Christ or the Son of God, because only the Messiah or Christ was going to ride into Jerusalem on, you know, on a cult and and proclaiming himself to be that. Again, this was a very bold of him to do this because, you know, he was loudly saying Hey, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at this action. Hey, and then people were praising him. The Pharisees, religious leaders, were against him, yet he didn't listen to them. Even if the rocks cry out, you know, I'm going to do this, pointing them, pointing them, pointing them to what is this event? Why, why is it so special? Look to the Old Testament. Look to what I'm doing. See what I'm saying. And he was powerfully proclaiming himself to be the Messiah, Christ. Not with his words, but with his action of fulfilling this prophecy. So, he didn't stop there, though. He keeps going, hence why the title of our sermon today is He Proclaims Himself Messiah. He didn't just stop there by proclaiming himself to be the Christ. He does it again right after this in verses 12 and 13. Let's look at at them again. Verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God, drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold those. Verse 13. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So verse 12, he goes into the temple. 
he sees all these people buying and selling and making money and so on and so forth. And he says, that, that's it. I can't stand it. This righteous indignation dwells up within him. And he starts turning over the temple, starts turning over the tables, casting the money onto the ground, like basically kicking people out of the temple. People, of course, at that time were taking advantage of people. People would come from far distances to, to worship in the temple. And, and there, were all, there was a whole big kind of crooked outfit that they had going on where they didn't accept the animals that they had bought outside the temple. They had to buy certain animals inside the temple. So Jesus was seeing the, the house of God being made just, you know, this place of doing business. And that made him angry, this righteous Anger dwelled up within him, welled up within him, and he started kicking these people out. I can't stand it anymore. But then he says, verse 13, he proclaims himself Messiah again in 13. In verse 13, did you catch it? How did he say it, you say? Look at 13 again. Look at what he says. He says to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of of thieves. First thing to notice, first thing to notice, this is from the Old Testament. He says here, verse 13, it is written. Whenever Jesus says it is written, that means that you have to look back. Hey, look back at what was written, and I'm pointing you there to the Old Testament, to the Old Testament scriptures. It is written. It's written sometime in the past. He's actually quoting a saying by God to Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, chapter 7, verse 11, where God is speaking to Jeremiah about the Jews, about his house. Listen to this verse that Jesus is quoting. God says to Jeremiah in chapter 7, verse 11, Has this house, speaking of the temple, which is called by my name. Now this is God Almighty speaking in this chapter and verse here. This house, so this temple, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, even I, I have seen it, says the Lord. So God, speaking of his house, or God says, this is my temple called by my name, you could say. That's what God said back in Jeremiah 7.11. But did you catch what? Jesus did. Did you catch the subtle way in which Jesus just proclaimed himself Messiah again? Notice Jesus didn't quote Jeremiah 7.11 word for word. Jeremiah 7.11 has this house, which is called by my name, God Almighty speaking, become a den of thieves in your eyes. Behold, even I, I have seen it, says the Lord. Jesus says in 13, it is written, my house has become, has written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Did you catch what Jesus just did there? Jesus just referred to God's house, God's temple that was called by God's name, and Jesus just said, my house, speaking of himself, making a direct reference of God's house, being his house. This was absolutely, positively, hands down, him powerfully saying once again, I am the Messiah. 
I am God in the flesh. And detail may be easily missed. I don't know if you caught it, but I couldn't escape it. It was right there. It was just Jesus powerfully proclaiming himself Messiah, hence the name of our title of our sermon. But he doesn't stop there. See, he doesn't stop with just the proclamation. He doesn't just stop by saying, yes, this is my house. This is the claim that I'm making. He goes a step further, and you could say, using our verbiage of today, he puts his money where his mouth is. And he proves himself to be Messiah by his actions in verse 14. What does the Bible say? Read verse 14 again. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You see, it's easy just to say something out of your mouth. And, you know, I could say right now, oh, I'm, I'm a doctor. Oh, well, I'm a lawyer. Or, or, I'm a, or I'm a professional basketball star. But anybody that knows me well would know that those are just lies. I wouldn't; Those wouldn't be truthful sayings because guess what? I can't put my money where my mouth is. If I were to say I was a doctor and a real doctor were to talk to me, he would know very quickly that I wasn't a doctor. And vice versa, a lawyer. I couldn't, I, I could be a lawyer. I can, I can debate with people on a type of a lawyer way, but I'm not schooled as being a lawyer. But Jesus shows us here that he doesn't just proclaim himself to be Messiah. He also puts his money where his mouth is, and he puts action behind his words that backs up what he said. Why, why do I, can I say that? Well, the Bible, it, the Bible prophesies, God gives prophecy in the Old Testament that talks about how the Messiah would come and do healings, supernatural healings, healings that nobody else could ever do, like healing the blind and, and healing the lame. There weren't very many people at all. There was nobody that healed the blind. And the Messiah would come and do these supernatural, amazing healings. And here we see that Jesus proves by his actions, he backs up his proclamation with the actions of healing people's, of healing these sick and lame people here. So Jesus Christ just proclaims himself to be the Messiah or God's son twice back to back. He rides into Jerusalem fulfilling the prophecy that was meant for the Messiah to fulfill and calls God's house his house, then backs up all his claims by his supernatural ability to heal. That's awesome. But that is not the only time that he referred to himself as the promised Jewish Messiah back to back like he did here. He actually does it in the book of John, of the gospel of John, and he actually does it back to back to back. He, he does a, a triple repeater there in John 8. He starts in John 8. Jesus is talking back and forth with some religious leaders about who he really was. And in verse 48, they ask him, they say to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So they're talking about who Christ really is. And they, they're like, you know, we think you're from Samaria. And we think, in fact, you know what? You're demon-possessed. And he tells them, hey, listen, I'm not demon-possessed, but I, I'm honoring my Father. They go around a little bit more, and Jesus ends this whole little dialogue with these religious leaders in verse 58, where he says to them, he proclaims himself Messiah, the great king. Actually, he proclaims himself God in the flesh here. He says to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
Before Abraham was, I am. What did he do? He referred to himself as I am. What is that? Where is that from? Well, if you look back to Exodus 3.14, this is how God Almighty came to Moses in the burning bush. God had a chore for Moses. God was going to send Moses back to Egypt to deliver the children of Egypt, or the children of Israel out of Egypt. God comes to Moses in this burning bush and he says, Come near me, take off your sandals, walk before me, for the ground you're standing on is holy. Moses comes near. God says, This is what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to tell the children of Israel, I'm getting you out of here. I'm going to use you. You're my man. I'm going to, I'm going to use you to do it. Well, Moses says, Man, Lord... Woo, I can't do that, Lord. I'm scared. Lord, are you sure? I don't even speak well, so on and so forth. Lord, who do I say sent me? Lord, who, who are you, Lord? I don't even know who do I tell them told me to come back to you. God says, tell them I am sent you. Tell them I am sent you. And here Jesus tells them, John 8, 58, that he was... I am, making a reference to God's voice out of the burning bush to Moses. I'm Messiah. I'm God in the flesh. I am. Okay? Did they respond like they understood that Jesus was calling him God himself God in the flesh? Verse 59, then they took up stones to throw at him. You see, claiming to be God or claiming to be God's son is called blasphemy. Okay? And the, the punishment that God gave Back in all the way back in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, God gave his children a penalty for those that would sin and blasphemy. And that sin was, or the, that, that punishment for people that blasphemed was stoning to death. So here, verse 59 of John 8, they took up stones to stone him. So, yes, they absolutely knew that he was proclaiming himself to be God in the flesh as they were going to act out the very punishment that God gave to act toward those that would blaspheme. Right after this, in John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are walking along. And here is this man born blind from birth, one of mine and my son's most favorite accounts in all the Bible. Jesus, the disciples ask him, you know, why is this man born blind? You know, is it because of him or his parents' sin and all this and other thing? Jesus says, hey, neither. You know, it's for the glory of God. Jesus stoops down, makes, you know, mud with, the saliva, with his saliva in the ground and picks it up and wipes it on his eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man does it. He's automatically healed. He's excited, man. People are walking away. Hey, he's, he's walking around. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. People are so, you know, he's, he's going around to everybody he knows. And they're like, was well, this the man that was born blind? So they, they can't believe what's happened because now he can see. They take him to the temple to show him to the chief priest, to show him to the religious leaders. And they're like, what, 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 how, what is this? They've never, they had never seen in their lives or read about in their Bible a man that was born blind that could now see. That had never happened since the creation of the world. Nobody had ever healed somebody that was born blind. These religious leaders call this guy's parents because they can't believe it. This guy's parents come in, come, come in and they're like, hey, was this guy really born blind? I mean, that's ridiculous, right? It's not true, right? Parents are like, no, no, we did. He did. He really was born blind. And how he can see, we don't know. This guy, the religious leaders go back and forth about it because they're like, how is it you, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And he says, hey, 
I don't know. This guy did this, and he put this stuff on my eyes, and now I can see. Well, and they were they were angry because now they 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 kind of thought it was Jesus, but they weren't sure. And he, I think the guy even tells him, "Hey, this guy named Jesus made this mud, and he wiped it on my eyes, and, and now I can see." Well, they wanted to give God, they wanted the man to give God glory and call Jesus a sinner, but the man wouldn't do it. So anyway, they kick him out of the temple. As the man is kicked out of the temple and he's walking along, just wondering what's going on, Jesus comes back into the scene and he meets him again. John 9, 35-37. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Or what Jesus asked him is, Do you really believe in the Messiah or the Christ, which means Savior or Son of God or Christ of God? And the man answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that we may believe in him? Or who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Now, I don't know about any more evident time in the Bible to me, but it's clearer there than probably anywhere else in all of Scripture that Jesus Christ is telling this guy, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. He openly and powerfully declared it to this man that was born blind but can now see. And then the third time, right after this, I'm going to be in John 10. If you guys want to go to John 10, it's actually a little bit of an account, so I'm going to read the whole thing. The third time, this is the back-to-back-to-back time Jesus did it. This is the third time. If you want to join me, you can. Otherwise, you can just listen along. John 10, 22 through 39. I'm going to read the whole account. Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, or you could say Messiah, they just said, Tell us plainly. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. So he's indicating there that at one point he'd actually told them to, Hey, I am Christ, I am the Messiah. The works, he says, that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give give them eternal life. For a man to say, and I give my sheep eternal life, that was blasphemy too. There was only one that could give eternal life. That was God Almighty. But I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor nor shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Me and God Almighty, we are the same one and the same. Hello? Jesus says, I'm God in the flesh. Jesus says, I'm Messiah right there. Go to 31. What what did they believe he was making himself God? Verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Remember that punishment we talked about earlier. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. They clearly understood this guy's calling himself God in the flesh. 
This guy's proclaiming to be the savior of the world. This guy's proclaiming to be Messiah. Wow. Jesus answers them in verse 34. It is not written. Is it not written in your law that you are God's? At first he says, is it not written in your law? I said you are God's, claiming himself to be God again there. The law was given by God. God said, I call you God's. That meant judges. But Jesus is saying, I, I call you God's. Or I said you are God's. Verse 35. If he called them God, speaking of God then now outside of himself, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent to the world, and sent to the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Listen to what he says, verse 37. If I do not, if I do, not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may believe, or may you may know and, and believe that the Father is in me and I am in, am in him. Clearly, hands down, not a question of it, Jesus proclaimed himself to be God in the flesh. Verse 39, therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. They couldn't wait to try to kill him. They, they were bloodthirsty. This man who they just would not accept as the Messiah, as Christ, they, this man's got to die. He's blasphemed. He's calling himself God. He's calling himself the Messiah. Amazing. Amazing. Another time, John 8, 9, and 10, he proclaimed himself the Jewish Messiah, and he did it back to back to back. It's absolutely amazing. Then, we can easily see, no matter, hands down, you could be blind and you could hear these words, he proclaimed himself to be the Christ. And he did it over and over and over and over and over again. He did it with his actions. He did it with his words, but although he did not come out right and say, I am the Messiah, he said, I am he. He proclaimed it by his actions. He did things that only the Messiah would do. And he proclaimed it with his mouth. He proved it with his works. And he just, he just, it seeped from his flesh. Just like we read here in verse 14 when he healed the blind lame that came to him. And like he did when the man born blind from birth. He proved it with his words. He said it with his words and he proved it with his actions. Jesus claimed to be Messiah. He claimed to be the Christ, the Savior of the world. Back to our section of scripture that we're looking at today. So Jesus was making all these claims with his actions and words and backing them up with his miracles that he was doing and showing everyone that he was the real promised Jewish Messiah. But unfortunately, not everyone here in our scripture that heard him making these proclamations and saw his miracles backing up what he was proclaiming was happy about it. His words and actions received some mixed reviews. Read verse 15 with me of our scripture today, Matthew twenty-one fifteen. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So the simple children who had come to the temple to play or worship God there or sacrifice there, whatever they were doing there, were so excited about his miracles. They were so excited about everything that they saw him doing. And they clearly, again, understood this is the chosen one of God. Hosanna to the Son 
of David. And remember, that was meant as a prayer or a praise and adoration to God in Psalm 118.25. So the little children could easily see and were happy about the fact that Jesus was their promised one, was the one from God, that was their hope. While you see, the religious leaders were indignant or angry because of the praise he was getting for what he was doing, the just praise that he's receiving for what he was doing. You see, because even for a person to accept praise in God's absence, to say, I'm going to take God's praise, that's even blasphemy. But see, they were angry because they weren't getting the praise from the children. They were angry that he was getting these justful praises. So what do they do? They ask him a question, verse 16. So they, they were getting indignant and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? You see, they were asking him, don't you hear what these children are saying to you? In a sense, don't you hear they're blaspheming you because they're blaspheming you or you're blaspheming by taking these words that they're telling you. You've got to stop doing this. What are you doing? Don't you realize that this is not right? Well, you shouldn't be doing this. So they ask him this question. Of course, Jesus heard them. Don't you hear what they're telling you? Of course, the whole countryside probably heard everything that they were saying. They asked him if he heard, not because he didn't hear them, but because they expected Jesus to stop them from giving him praise. Don't you hear what they're telling you? Don't you hear what they're saying to you? You can't let them do that. Remember, even in Luke, what, don't, you got to stop these people from doing that. And Jesus said, even if they stop, the rocks will cry out because I deserve this praise. I deserve this glory. So instead of stopping them, Jesus quotes another verse from their Holy Scripture. In the rest of verse 16, he says to them, yes, I hear what they're saying. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? What does he do? He quotes Psalm 8, but he, he changes it a little bit. Psalm 8 to David writes, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength, or made me strong, because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, Jesus changed it a little bit. This can easily see as, uh, you, you know, an this could easily, easily be seen as a contradiction. But is it a contradiction? Jesus only changed the last part of the psalm. Listen to him again. Jesus says, Yes, have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. Yet David says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy of or and the avenger. You see, Jesus doesn't misquote it. Jesus gives them the first part, Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, and then he interprets the last part. He gives them and us the meaning or interpretation behind what David was saying. Jesus just told them that God has perfected praise by the children's mouths because God made Christ strong because of these guys who were his enemies so that he may silence them. And is that what Jesus just did? By his actions, by his reply, by his rebuttal, by Psalm 8, 2, and then the interpretation. Is that what we see that Jesus did? Did he, did God give him the strength to silence these guys? Absolutely, we don't have a response at all. Look, look what we have next, verse 17, our last verse of today. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany 
and he lodged there. There's no recorded response by these religious leaders. They were speechless. Of course, you know, the Bible says God gives us all a conscience. And these religious leaders had to know by their consciences that they were wrong. Yet they just refused to acknowledge openly that Jesus was the Christ and give him the praise and honor and glory that he was due. Because the religious leaders had determined to despise him because he was the Messiah and because of the adoration he received justly as being Messiah. And Jesus says his peace to silence them and he just departs. Now, if anyone ever tells you ever, Jesus is not the Messiah. In fact, he never actually even proclaimed to be the Christ of God or the Messiah of God. Well, I can tell you right now, they are lying. All you have to do is read your Bible. Read your Bible for a few days. Read over the Gospel of John and read over his actions and what he did in Matthew. And you can easily see that Jesus Christ openly proclaimed himself to be Messiah. He openly and powerfully proclaimed himself to be Christ. So if you know any Muslims in your life, they'll tell you, well, you know, Jesus never really said I'm the son of God. And he never really actually even said, you know, that, uh, you know, he was the Christ or the Messiah was a, you know, go to, let's go to, let's go to John. Well, in fact, let's go to John chapters eight, nine, and 10. And, And right there, you can show them easily that Jesus Christ referred to himself as God and God in the flesh and the Messiah and the son of God and all that jazz all put together. So nobody that says that has any idea they've never read their Bibles or never read a Bible at all. Just take them to John 8, 9, and 10. Now, concerning the last part that we studied between the religious leaders and humanity, you could say, and Christ, nothing has changed in this relationship from then to today, December 21st, 2014. What do I mean? Either people love worship and give praise like the little children did here to Jesus Christ. So today, either people love and honor and worship and praise Jesus Christ just like these little children, or they treat him like these religious leaders did here as well, or they just get indignant because he is the Christ. What is your opinion of Jesus Christ today? Do you treat him as the little children did here? Or do you treat him and do you act toward him like the religious leaders did here? If you say you treat him like the children, then you give him praise and adoration and worship, and you do it with your life and with your actions and not with your words. You make a point in your life, with your life, with the actions of your life, to live like Jesus Christ lived. You live out 1 John 2, 6. John writes, he who says he abides in him, Jesus, ought himself also to walk just as Jesus walked. Jesus walked with love toward man, honor and adoration and praise toward God, and he abstained from sinfulness, and he lived towards holiness. He constantly was avoiding sinfulness, and he was constantly walking towards holiness, walking toward righteousness, walking toward 
things that were righteous, doing righteousness, living righteousness, loving God, having a relationship with God, worshiping God with His life. And that's if you treat Him like the little children were treating Him. So many in our world today just give God lip service. They say they love Jesus Christ and and, and treat Him like the little children here, but they live their lives in sin fully, getting drunk, getting high, partying all the time, living with their girlfriends, living with their boyfriends, committing fornication, having sex outside of marriage. Their mouths are full of profane language, while they even might even be using God's name in vain. Even saying, Jesus Christ loves me, no matter how I live. They make an excuse for their sinful lives, and they live like the devil. They don't live for righteousness. They don't do righteousness. They don't act like Christ. They don't even try to walk like Christ. They don't love God, and they don't even have a relationship with God. But bless God, they say, I believe in Jesus Christ, so I'm saved. Well, this is a warning to you. Jesus says to all, to his disciples one time, he said, Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You see, Jesus spoke about repentance, giving, surrendering your life, not just living for you anymore, but living for God. He says, deny self, take yourself off the throne of your life and put God on the throne of your life. Pick up your cross. Walk with me and die to flesh, die to sin every day. And then follow after me. Walk as I walk. Do as I do. Listen to my teachings and obey the things that I told you to do. The Bible says that there's no salvation outside of repentance. No salvation outside of a daily repentant walk with God. The things in your life, the ways of your life should match up with the ways that Jesus Christ said that you ought to live. So if you're there, don't just give Jesus lip service. Don't just give God lip service. Surrender to him. Put your trust in him and then obey him. And don't just live however you want to live and then say you love Jesus Christ too because God really knows your heart. If you really love Jesus Christ like the little children loved him, like the children gave him praise and adoration, then live for him and show them that show him that you love him by your actions, not by living any way you want. Well, maybe you say that you, you know what, I, I treat him like the religious leaders treat him. Maybe you, maybe you say you despise him because he is the Messiah, because he is Christ. Well, I can't let, he's, I, he's Messiah, he's Christ. I, I, oh, it makes me angry. Oh, I just, oh, I just hate it. How I can save myself. I, I, I can, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't need Jesus. He's, yeah, he's just one other way, just one of the ways. Maybe you despise him like the religious leaders showed us here. Maybe you despise him. Maybe you hate him. To you I say, look to the love he showed for you and shows for you today. He loves you so much he went to the cross to die for your sins and to redeem you to God. He loves you more than any person that you've ever known in your life or ever will know in your life will ever love you ever. He loves you more than them and he proved it to you by his actions, not just by his words. 
He's even showing you his love to you today. Because if you can sit there and say, I don't like Jesus. In fact, I, I hate him or I despise him or whatever. Then what he's doing is by my mouth, he's calling out to you saying, Hey, I know where you stand, but I love you anyway. Please come to me now and let's make this right. Only God would sit there and know your heart and know that you hate him. Know that you despise him. Know that you don't live for him and still call you to repentance. Still call you to himself using me. Only a God of love would do that. Because I'll tell you, mankind, if another man knows that you hate him or knows that you don't like him, or knows you, they, they avoid you. God doesn't avoid you. He goes after you with fervent passion and love, drawing you to himself, drawing you to Jesus Christ, showing you his grace often, showing you his love often. I, I challenge you, look at the love of God at face value. Because he loves you, and that's a fact. And don't be angry with him. Turn to him and be saved. Ask him for salvation. Ask him for a walk. Ask him, and he will receive. Maybe, just maybe though, we didn't talk about it today, maybe you're in a third category. Maybe you're in this third category, one that we didn't cover today. The category of, I don't even believe that Jesus Christ is really God's son at all. I don't believe he's Messiah. I, I just don't believe it. I don't believe he's, he's the Savior of the world. You know, maybe you listen to this message and you're Jewish. Maybe you believe that Jesus Christ wasn't the one that came. Maybe you believe that you're still waiting for your Messiah to come. The category I didn't cover today is very important. Historical proof that he existed as a man is overwhelming. It's hard to say he just didn't exist, period. The question, the bigger question is this, because if you look to history, he was a real man. He's written by historians. There's records of history outside the Bible that talk about Jesus. Whether you want to claim he's the Christ or Messiah, you can't deny that he was an actual man. History shows you that. He was an actual real man. The bigger question is this. Who was he? Was he really the Christ? Did he just claim these things, but was he really? Well, I ask you, ask yourself, search truth. Who was Jesus really? And make a decision by the proof you get and the proof you have, not just by what others have told you. Decide by the proof that you have. Was Jesus Christ either a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he Lord? You see, a liar is a liar. And we know liars. You can't trust them. Lunatic, well, they're crazy people. And well, Lord, that's Lord of all. We know that word. I want you to look at one huge proof of him being Lord and not liar and not lunatic. If he was a liar or a lunatic, would his name still be renowned like it is today after almost about 2,000 years after he died. You see, Jesus Christ's name today is well known over the whole face of the planet. It's, it's, I would estimate that anywhere from 90 to 95% of every single person on the planet has heard the name Jesus Christ. Now you may be saying, well, yeah, yeah well, that's just because of those crazy Christians. Well, I, I challenge you with this. Jesus was the son of a Jewish carpenter. 
His name is renowned today, almost 2,000 years later, as if he was a great king or some kind of pharaoh or some kind of just this amazing, world-famous whatever. Yet, he was just the son of a Jewish carpenter. How is it that just the son of a Jewish carpenter Almost 2,000 years later, his name is still renowned all over the face of the planet. This is a very, this, this, this proof, this, this idea is hard to dismiss. There's not very many people that we can name off from past 1,000 years to 2,000 years to 3,000 years that are very popular. I mean, most people have died off and their names get forgotten. You know, the, maybe the famous ones here in America, you know, you maybe think of Thomas Jefferson or you know, George Washington, you know, some of our most, more favorite, you know, famous presidents, but that's just, that's just over the past maybe few hundred years, couple hundred years. But when you start going back 500 years, a thousand years, 1500 years, 2000 years, you don't have very many famous names that come out of those ancient times. Yet Jesus Christ, if he was a liar or a lunatic, there's, there's been millions and billions of those that have lived since they've been born, but we don't know any of their names but we know the name of Jesus Christ. And we know that on the earth's surface today, almost 8 billion people, that we have Jesus Christ, His name over the whole face of the planet, that 90 to 95% of the people on the whole world know of this one man. And I mean, that's not even counting all the prophecies that the Bible foretold, all the things that God said in the Old Testament, the things that He said the Messiah would do, and then Jesus Christ came and He did those things, that He fulfilled those things during His life and He proved Himself to be the Christ. Hard evidence shows Him to be the one sent by God to save mankind from their sins. We have hard proof and hard evidence to show these things were real. I pray that you, and we're going to pray today here in just a minute, I pray that you start seeking out these truths and these realities for yourself today and just look at the hardcore evidence that we have today. One appointment that no one will ever miss in life is death. Death will come for us whether we're 8 or whether we're 80. Everyone will die, no matter what. But what comes next? Are you sure that when you die, there's nothing? Are you sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Would you seek God today and allow Him to reveal Himself to you? Would you pray, God, or or Jesus, if, if you're real, would you please reveal yourself to me? And would you keep praying and keep asking God to reveal Himself to you? Because if God is real and if He does exist, you owe Him that chance to allow himself to make himself known to you. Start praying, please. God, Jesus, are you real? Would you please show me, are you real? And just wait, just wait, because he will. God longs to reveal himself to people. God longs to show you that he is real. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this word today. Thank you so much, Lord God, that your son, Jesus Christ, was so bold and, and so loud and so like even obnoxious about the fact of, of proclaiming himself who he was. 
Lord, because if he never truly ever even made one action to show himself or to reveal himself as the Christ, then nobody had then, and then it would have never carried on the fact that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the Savior of the world. But Lord, we can easily see in Scripture, easily see in Scripture, Lord God, that Jesus made a point often to either do something or say something or or do some fulfill some prophecy or or just whatever lord god that he would show himself to be the one and lord thank you lord god that he didn't just say it with his mouth lord but that he backed it up with his actions lord that he said look at the that he showed us the actions that he did that we could know that the real Messiah was supposed to do those things, and he just wasn't just given lip service. Oh yeah, I'm the Christ, and and then you know went off and did nothing and just spoke a bunch of bolsterous words. Thank you, Lord God, for all the proofs that there are in this world that we have even today to show that Jesus Christ is, or was and is, the real deal. Was and is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I pray for anybody that's listening to this message, Lord God, anywhere all over the world, Lord, I pray for them right now, dear God, that they would start seeking you. I pray that they would start asking you, Lord, are you real? Jesus Christ, do you exist? Are you real? Are you who, are you, who, who you said you were? And Lord, I just pray that you would be listening for those cries. And that, Lord, that once you hear them, you would just run to that person, just like you did to the prodigal son, and just reveal yourself to them in awesome and mighty ways. Lord, any that are listening to this message today, Lord, that aren't right with you, God, I pray that you would touch their hearts and bring them to the throne, bring them to your throne, bring them to the cross, bring them to Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would offer them salvation and they would grab hold of you and never let you go. I love you and I praise you and I thank you, dear God. And I ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Everyone, it's Pastor Ed here. Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015 and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.